Welcome to the Northwood Baptist Church Podcast. I'm Tommy Metter, lead pastor of Northwood Baptist Church in North Charleston, South Carolina. And today, I know exactly what you need. You need hope and encouragement. And it is my prayer that the message you are about to hear helps you find hope and encouragement in a relationship with Jesus Christ. Hey, if you'd like to learn more about our church, visit our website, northwoodbaptist.com, or follow us on Facebook. Now, get ready for a message that will help you connect faith to life. Okay. Ready? Welcome to the Northwood Baptist Church Podcast. I'm Tommy Metter, lead pastor of Northwood Baptist Church in North Charleston, South Carolina. Hey, if you're listening today, I know exactly what you need. You need hope and encouragement. And my prayer is that the message you are about to hear will help you find hope and encouragement in a relationship with Jesus Christ. If you'd like to learn more about our church, visit our website, northwoodbaptist.com, or follow us on Facebook. Now, get ready for a message that will help you connect faith to life. Hey, I know we just uh, sang a few songs together, but, but listen, I... This song might bring back some memories for you. If you know this song, you're going to see the words on the screen. Will you sing this with me? Oh, Lord, my God, when I am lost, About what happened, right? When, when you sang that song, for some of you, it's probably been a long time since you sang that song. Some of you might have never heard that song before. I have no idea. But regardless, for those of you who remember that song, something just happened when you sang that song. It brought back some memories, right? Maybe like me growing up in church, and that's what we sang most Sundays, or whatever the case may be. Or maybe it wasn't that song. Maybe it's another song. Uh, there are probably some, some songs that, that you hold dear to your heart. 
Maybe some, some hymns that you sang growing up that, that when you go through a tough time, you tend to remember the words of those songs. Or maybe it's not in hymn. Maybe it's one of the, the modern songs we sang this morning that, that every time you hear it on K-Love or where the radio station is, it just, it just blesses you. There, there's, there's something about music, right, that really helps us to engage our hearts to the work of God in our lives. And, and, and think about this. This is really weird too. Uh, you just sang that, right? Like, like you, yeah, I know we kind of missed some of the words on the screen, but you knew most of them and, and you sang it loud. And that's kind of weird. I mean, this, it just blows my mind. I mean, every Sunday you come to a place like this and, and we spend half of our time singing. Come on, now that... I don't even really like singing that much, but, but we do it, right? I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's not my favorite thing in the world to sing. That's why I play the piano, but we come and we sing. I mean, where else do you go where you do that? You, you, I mean, you don't go to a football game and sing half the time. You don't go to some civic organizational meeting and sing half the time. If you're, if you're a student, you don't, you don't go to school and sing half the day. If you do, you, you'd be a little bit strange, wouldn't you? That's just not what we do. But every Sunday when we gather here, we spend half of our time singing. But not only that, I mean, think about this. You spend half of your time singing and then now you're going to listen to me go on and on for another 30 or 40 minutes, probably more like 40 or 45, right? And you keep coming back. Every Sunday we do it over and over again. And, and not only do you keep coming back, like where we are right now, more people come. I mean, it's, it's amazing to think about. Why is that? Because you, you whether you, you, you think about this a lot or not, or whether you say this a lot or not, you're convinced in your mind that there's something significant that happens when you come to this place. Because the people of God are gathered together to tell God just how much we love him and how great he is. And you come here, you come here, I, I think, I, I think, I mean, if I'm, if I'm wrong, please let me know. But you come here expecting the God of all creation who knows you and loves you to meet with you. This is far different than anything else you'll attend all week long. You need to go to school, right? You need to get that education, but this is different than that. It's fun to watch Georgia completely annihilate Oregon, right? Amen. Uh, but, but this is much different than that, right? You see what I'm saying? There's something significant about being together and doing what we just did, singing and doing what we're gonna do now, hearing God's word proclaimed. There's something significant about worshiping as a body of believers. We're continuing our journey through the book of Psalms this morning, and we're coming this morning to Psalm 95. So go ahead and find that in your Bible. If you didn't bring a Bible with you, that's okay, because in the seat before you down the book rack, you'll find a copy of the Bible. Grab that copy of the Bible and find Psalm 95 with us. If you don't own a Bible, take that Bible home with you. Read it, learn about the God that loves you and desires a relationship with you, but find Psalm 95 in your Bible. And what's so interesting about this particular Psalm is that for centuries, this Psalm has been used by the people of God to help us to understand what it is we do when we gather for corporate worship. Now, that's not the original context of the psalm necessarily, but this psalm does help us to understand what we do when we come together. And so for, for a lot of us this morning, the things we're going to talk about, uh, they really are going to be reviewed for us. But, but there are things that we need to talk about. We need to be reminded as to why we come together and what we do when we are together and why this is so significant. We need to be reminded why corporate worship on a Sunday morning is so significant 
significant and so helpful for us. And so, so I think Psalm 95 is, is going to show us some, some reasons why we gather together to do what we do every Sunday morning. In fact, I want to show you three reasons why we gather together every Sunday morning to do what we do. So take your Bibles, Psalm 95, go ahead and rise to your feet as we honor the ring of God's word together. Uh, look at what the Bible says, Psalm 95. Come, let's shout joyfully to the Lord. Shout triumphantly to the rock of our salvation. Let's enter his presence with thanksgiving. Let's shout triumphantly to him in song. For the Lord is a great God, a great King above all gods. The depths of the earth are in his hand. The mountain peaks are his. The sea is his. He made it. His hands formed the dry land. Come, let's worship and bow down. Let's kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God. And we are the people of his pasture, the sheep under his care. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as at Meribah, as on the day at Massah in the wilderness, where your ancestors tested me. They tried me, though they had seen what I did. For 40 years, I was disgusted with that generation. I said, they are people whose hearts go astray. They do not know my ways. So I swore in my anger, they will not enter my rest. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this morning. And thank you again for the opportunity you've given us now to be together, to worship. And, and we do believe that there's something significant about these moments we're sharing together. And so as we share these moments together, help us to listen carefully to what you're saying to us. Help us be a people uh, that desire this morning to honor you, to give you glory for who you are and what you've done. And help us to be a people this morning who want to listen to you and obey you. So thank you for what you're going to do in these moments. Our hearts are ready for work of your spirit in our lives. In Jesus' name, Amen. You can have a seat. So if you've been with us, we've been in the book of Psalms for quite a while now. We're probably three or four more weeks we'll spend in the Psalms together, but it's been an incredible journey. And what I've told you throughout the journey is that the book of Psalms, right, is really divided up into five different books. And so we've kind of traced that as we've walked through Psalms together. And so we are in book four of the Psalms. And, and I told you last week that by and large, the Psalms that you find in book four, uh, these are, 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 are compiled together during the time of exile. Uh, the Hebrew people ha have been taken out of Jerusalem because of their disobedience to God. And they've gone into exile in Babylon. And that's not a good thing. I mean, the, you can imagine the, 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 their hearts breaking over the reality that they're not in their homeland anymore. And, and the theme of book four of the Psalms seems to be that in spite of what you're going through, in spite of this exile that you find yourselves in, God is still on his throne. And this psalm certainly reflects that reality that God is still on his throne. Look at what it says again. This is interesting. Come, let's shout joyfully to the Lord. Shout triumphantly to the rock of our salvation. Let's enter his presence with thanksgiving. Let's shout triumphantly to him in song. You, you kind of hear it in the language, don't you? It's, it's celebratory. That the psalmist is calling us to celebrate. Many of you know this because I told you last week, I, I had a birthday this past week. I, I, I celebrated the ninth anniversary of my 35th birthday uh, on Wednesday and, and it was a good day. Here's what I love about birthdays, right? Because this happened this past Wednesday. People texted me. I got phone calls, Facebook messages, uh, I, you know, cake and ice cream, gifts, all those kinds of things. It is guaranteed in my life and in your life at least once a year you're celebrated. Isn't that good to know? 
You can have a terrible, crummy year, but you know one day's coming in the year that people are going to say something nice to you. They might say mean things to you all the rest of the year, but on one day of the year, you've got a guaranteed day of celebration. And you know why you're celebrated? You know why I'm celebrated once a year? It's so good because I exist, <laughs> right? I mean, when I, when I was born a few years back, right? On that day I came into this world, I hadn't done anything but I was celebrated just because I existed. And every year since then, I'm mean, hopefully there's been some good things in the years in between, but, but real, reality is what we're celebrating on a birthday, and I'm, I'm sorry to make it so plain to you, but what we're, all we're celebrating is the fact that you exist. That's it, right? When you think about Psalm 95, the psalmist is celebrating the existence of God, but far more than that. He's celebrating the fact that, 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 that God exists and God is at work in the lives of people. Look at what it says again. Let us shout joyfully. You come down the verse 13. For the Lord is a great God, a great king above all gods. You see? Verse 1 again says, to the rock of our salvation. If you were to go with me to Israel in 2024 when we plan to go again, what you'll notice in Israel are all the rocks. There are rocks everywhere. In those days, homes were built of rocks. You think about rocks and, and walls of fortification built for rocks. When you think about rocks in an ancient world, you think about what? A place to hide. You think about what? Uh, strength. You think about fortification. And so, so the psalmist is saying, let us worship God because he exists. But more than that, because he's at work, he is the rock of our salvation. More than that, he is the king. Israel knew what it was like to have kings. They knew what it was like to have bad kings. That's why they were in exile because they had kings that led them into idolatry. And now the psalmist says, you have a real king who is your rock. Let's celebrate him. He is worth it. Now look at what it says. I want you to notice something, a couple of things. One, did you notice how often the word let's is used? It's used several times in these first couple of verses, isn't it? It's plural. What the psalmist is saying is that we're doing this together. We're celebrating God together. Or think about this. Not only is it plural, but it is, now watch this, it is emotional. Do you see that? Let us shout. If you have a different Bible translation, maybe the ESV or something else that you're reading from this morning, it says, let us sing. Let us shout. Let us sing joyfully, triumphantly. Shout triumphantly to him in song, verse 2. You're going to come down. You're going to see what it says in verse six. Let's worship and bow down. Let's kneel. All of this is what? It's emotional. And come on now. There's something about gathering together as a body of believers that engages our emotions, isn't there? When we sang that song, How Great Thou Art, there were probably some feelings that you had, some memories. Or when you sing your favorite modern worship song, it engages the emotions, there, there may be something that I say over the next few moments as we spend our time together that engages you emotionally. And that's good. That, that the worship of God coming together and celebrating God like we're doing this morning, it really does engage us on an emotional level. Now we have to be careful. Worship isn't emotionalism, right? Where we get wrapped up in our emotions, but there's something about worship that certainly does engage us in the heart, engages us in the emotions. This is emotional. 
The psalm is emotional. In worship, you know, when we gather together in a place like this and we sing together and we hear the word God proclaim together, it can be emotional, but it's also intellectual, isn't it? I mean, you see what he says? God is the rock of our salvation. Let's kneel before our king. He's engaging the mind. Know who God is and know why you get emotional when you worship him because you understand truth about God, that he's the king of all. And so when you come to a place like this on a Sunday morning, just for review for you, we gather to celebrate our king and it is emotional but it's also intellectual. And so I just want to show you this, right? The reason why we gather is because God is worthy of our celebration. And because God is worthy of our celebration, I just want to challenge you with a few things this morning as you consider what we do every Sunday morning when we gather. Are you ready? One, would you do me a favor? When you come on Sunday mornings, would you bring your brain with you? I mean, I know that should go without saying, but come on now, you know what doesn't sometimes. That, That sometimes we come and we have no intention of thinking about what God is saying to us or how we're to respond to it. We have no intention of of thinking deeply about the things of God. And what does it mean to bow before him? What does it mean that he's our maker? What does it mean when we get later on in the passage to, to not harden our hearts? Sometimes we just don't wanna think. And so I just wanna challenge you, if you're gonna be here, and you're convinced that God is speaking to you, which I believe that you are, when you come on Sunday morning, just do me a favor and bring your brain with you. Now, what that means for you is that that bringing your brain requires what? It requires some extra focus sometimes, doesn't it? And here we are, and let's be honest now, let's be honest. We're, we're in a church that's growing and we're seeing this service in particular get, get more full and more full every Sunday. And it's a, hard to find a parking place and all that kind of stuff. And it's hard to find a seat sometimes and all that kind of stuff. And it's easy in a place like this where you got so many people in the same room. It's easy to what? It's easy to be distracted. And I just want to suggest this to you. I'm not telling you you need to do this, but this might help you. It might help you on a Sunday morning to actually get into this room a little bit earlier, right? To find your seat and get ready. It might help you for some of you. And I'm not saying all of you, and I'm just saying it might help you. It might help you to, to sit a little bit closer to the front so the people around you aren't distracted. You see what I'm saying? That if we're expecting God to meet with us and speak to us, then I need to be ready to go. I need to be in the place, in the position to hear God's voice. Now, you can do that in the back. If you're sitting in the back, I'm not saying you're, you're a, a bad Christian at all. I'm just saying for some of us, right? Uh, for me, for example, right? I mean, my attention's all over the place sometimes. And so just being in a place where I can hear more effectively would probably help me to focus a little bit better, right? And so just kind of thinking through that, how can I better bring my brain to worship? Certainly that means bringing your Bible with you and opening it up and actually using it while we go through a worship service or taking a few notes or whatever the case may be. And I know a lot of us in this room, we use our mobile device, our phone, our tablet. That's fine, use your device, but it might be helpful for you to put it on do not disturb during our worship service. So you're not looking at notifications that pop up while we're trying to actually engage the word of God. You see what I'm saying? It's oftentimes we come, but we don't think about how we can best engage God in this moment to engage our minds. So bring your brain to worship, but also also do me a favor by bringing your heart to worship because it is emotional. We do want our hearts to engage the living God. And, And I know what some of you are thinking because I'd probably think the same thing, right? I'm just not that emotional of a person. I mean, the idea of shouting in a worship service, that's just not me. And I get that. The idea of raising my hands and getting all emotional, that's just not me. I get that too, I understand. I know that for some of us, 
We, we, we don't express emotions very well. I get that. But here's what I do know because I've been to lunch with some of you. I've been to your house, some of you. And I've sat down with you. And I get you talking about your favorite thing. You won't shut up. <laughs> right? You start talking about you know, your, your favorite football team or you start talking about, you know, uh, your, your hobbies or hunting or fishing or shopping or whatever it is, right? And then all of a sudden, I mean, I just can't shut you up. You'll go on for hours and hours. Why? Because what we're most passionate about, we talk about. What we're most excited about in life, we talk about. And, and, and I know some of you, I know some of you are, are emotionless people until you start talking about that thing you love. Then there's all kinds of emotions that spew out of you. And I'm just telling you, the more you engage God intellectually, the more you actually come to a worship service and you think about what God is saying to you and how he wants you to respond to him, the more you dwell on the things of God, the more it does affect your emotions and the more your emotions begin to come out of you because you are growing more in love with Christ. And then there becomes this this joy that's about you because you've engaged with the living God. It is okay to put a smile on your face when you come to this place. It is okay to sing loud. It is okay to just tell God while you're singing or even while you're hearing me preach, hey God, thank you. Thank you for, I mean, that's what he says in Psalm 95, man. We're coming into his presence with thanksgiving because we know who he is and what he's done for us. It engages our mind. It engages our heart. It engages our full person because we understand how glorious our God is. This is a big deal. I don't know if you know this or not, but every time we gather, it's a big deal. You see, or think about this, bring your brain, bring your heart and bring your mouth with you. We talked about this at the dinner table last night. We were looking at this passage at the dinner table. And, and in my family, none of us are really singers, right? I mean, my boys don't really care to sing all that much. Uh, Stacy, I guess, likes to sing. I, I, she sings in the car a lot, right? And, and, and uh, um, you know, I, I'm a piano player. I'm not really a singer either. I mean, I don't like the way my voice sounds. Also, we're not really singers. But listen to this. Even though we're not singers, even though I'm not going to audition for the city choir, right? Or the musicals that we do here. I'm not doing any of that kind of stuff, right? There is something significant that takes place when we come together and we sing together. Because, oh, this is so good. Think about this. You spend on a Sunday morning 40, 45 minutes listening to me. I thank you for doing that. that actually, I'm surprised you do that. Like, I, it amazes me every Sunday when I get here that people actually showed up. I mean, it's, a, it's a big deal, right? But you do. You come and you show up and you listen to me most of the time. Every now and then somebody else preaches, but for most of the time you hear me every single week. You've heard me say a lot of words over the years. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but you have, right? But you have 20, 25 minutes on the same morning where you get to speak through song to God together. Now, this is what's so amazing. Listen to this. Come on now. Come on in close. This is so good. When we together sing to God, when we shout with songs of praise, we are all saying together, we are all saying together, God, we believe this is true. God, this has affected our lives. God, this has changed us. We are declaring, you are, I don't know if you know this or not, but when we sing together, you are encouraging one another. 
You see? Because we're saying collectively together, we are in this together. We believe this together. We live this together. We love God and serve him together. There's something unifying about lifting our voices to God. And so even if you're like me and feel like, you know, you're not that great of a singer, sing anyway, because you're saying something. We're saying something when we do it together. It is really profound and obviously really emotional and intellectually engaging when we lift our voices together. Do you see? And I know there are some Sundays that you wish we sang some different songs and some Sundays we don't like the songs too much. I get all that, right? But that's not the point. The point is declaring with our voices together, God, you're doing a work in my life. God, we declare your majesty together. You see? And so I would just challenge you. When you come on Sunday morning, bring your brain, bring your heart, and bring your mouth. You see, the problem for many of us, and and I know I find myself here sometimes too, we don't think about what we're actually coming to do on a Sunday morning. And so we come what, church? We come unprepared to meet with God. Being prepared is important, isn't it? I brought a picture of my beautiful wife I wanted to show you. Let me show you a picture of my wife. It's gonna pop up here. My wife loves bags. I mean, how many of you women, wherever you go, you carry four or five bags with you? Any of you like that? If you're a mom, come on now, don't be embarrassed. And my wife isn't the only one, but, but, but some of you, right? You, you, especially if you're a mom, you had that diaper bag, you had this bag and that bag. Stacy will sometimes walk out of the house with four or five bags. That was a vacation we went to one time and we walked out and I had to snap that picture of her carrying her four or five bags. You know what's in those bags? Everything, right? Like, you know how many bags I carry? None. I mean, you can ask my wife. I don't carry any bags. But, but here's what inevitably happens, right? Stacy would have been a great Boy Scout because she's always prepared. But, but what inevitably happens is we'll be somewhere. And I'll say, you know what? I wish we had, all of a sudden she opens up that bag and there it is, right? Right, right, right. So, so Luke will fall down and bust his knee open. All of a sudden there's peroxide and band-aids right there magically, right? Or, 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 you know, the, the, the car's running low on oil and all of a sudden there's a quart of oil that pops out of her bag. You know what I mean? I, I don't know how she does it, but everything is in those bags. Why is everything in those bags? Because Stacy is prepared for every situation in life, right? Raincoats, heavy boots. I mean, it's all in there. Like it's this never ending bag. She's pulling stuff out. Like it's amazing. She's always prepared. What would it look like for you just to come here on Sundays prepared, bringing your brain, bringing your heart and bringing your mouth because you're convinced that what takes place in this room on Sundays is important. You see, God is worthy of our celebration. And since he's worthy of our celebration, I'm gonna bring it all to him. And I'm gonna come prepared to celebrate every Sunday morning. But think about this. Look what the next few verses say. And we gotta move. Look at what it says. Oh, we really gotta move. Oh, you're used to long preaching. Look at what it says. Verse three, for the Lord is a great God, a great king above all gods. And it says in verse six, oh, I love this. Come, let's worship and bow down. Let's kneel before the Lord, our maker. When I read that verse, I can't help but think about different people in the Bible. I think about Moses at the burning bush. You remember that? When he was in the presence of God, what did he do? Took off his sandals and bowed before God. Remember the story of Joshua? Before Joshua goes into Jericho, he meets the commander of the Lord's army. I believe it was Jesus Christ himself. And what does he do? He bows down. You think about Peter. 
when Peter was out fishing and he wasn't catching any fish and then Jesus got in the boat with him and said, put the net down on this other side and Peter brought up those fish. What did Peter do? He bowed down. Think about Isaiah. Isaiah chapter six, he has this vision of God on the throne in the temple. And what does Isaiah do? He bows down. You see what happens in the Bible is that when people come into the presence of God, they bow down. Now, I'm I'm not saying that that in this moment, every one of us need to hit the floor and bow down, but it really is a posture of the heart that when we come together, we are saying to God, this ain't about me. This worship service is not about me. I am bowing down to you. This is about you. And so now watch this. You gotta hear this. This is so important for us to get. The goal of worship now, what that means is that the goal of worship, the goal of what we do when we gather together, now, and some of you might not believe this, but it's true. The goal of what we do is not your enjoyment. I want you to enjoy our time together. I mean, I really do. I hope you leave here saying, that was was a lot of fun. It was a blessing to be there. But the goal isn't your enjoyment, right? Or think about this, because because I know you're gonna do this because I do it too. The goal of worship is not for you to evaluate everything that happens on a Sunday morning. Because I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna tell you because I do it every Sunday. Our staff does it. That's part of the process. I'm gonna go home and think, man, I could have said that better. I could have been clearer with this. Randy could have hit that chord a little bit stronger. Whatever the case may be, we're gonna evaluate, right? But that's not the goal. And some of you, you will leave this morning And you might have the temptation to say, well, I didn't really get anything out of that. I didn't feel anything. And and you're going to start evaluating. Man, if he wouldn't have talked so long, we could have gotten to the lunch place a little bit earlier. I get you. I'm working on that, right? But you're going to evaluate. You're going to evaluate what you did like and what you didn't like. I get that. That's part of life. But that's not the goal of what we do. The goal of what we do is not to evaluate what we like and don't like. And the goal of what we do here is not for your enjoyment. Again, I, I don't mind you evaluating and I want you to enjoy our time together, but that, that's not the goal. The goal is to acknowledge God for who he is and come before him, bow down and say to God, God, because you are a great king and because this is about you, I surrender everything to you. That's worship is coming before God with that posture of humility, bowing down. So now watch this. God is worthy of our celebration and God is worthy of our surrender. And I don't know if you ever think about this or not, but God is present in with us this morning. He's present to enjoy us. You ever think about that? God enjoys you. He made you. He loves you. He redeemed you. He enjoys it when you worship him. He enjoys it when you come before him with a heart that says, not my will, but your will be done. And here's what I've learned. The more, the more that, that, that I understand that God enjoys his people that he saves, then what happens is I begin to enjoy not the service, because that's not the goal. The goal isn't to enjoy the music or the preaching. I mean, again, I hope you do, but that's not the ultimate goal. The goal is as I worship to enjoy what church? To enjoy God, to enjoy the reality that this God of all creation is personal, that he's invited me, invited you into a relationship with him. God is, impre- God is present to enjoy you. And when you begin to understand that God actually does enjoy you, what that does in your heart, it motivates joy in you and you begin to enjoy God. And so now when you come on a Sunday morning, you're here not for the enjoyment of yourself, but the enjoyment of God. It is just a joy 
to be in God's presence together. It is just a joy to know that there's a God who loves me and loves you, right? Or think about this. God is present to enjoy us and God is present. Now watch this, to evaluate us. Come on now. That's part of worship. You see, you come to evaluate. I liked this. I didn't like that. I wish this church would do this. I wish this church didn't do that. You come to evaluate and I understand that. And, and sometimes we need to take those evaluations into consideration and make sure we're staying on mission. I get all that. But I hope you know that when you're in this place with us, that God is present to evaluate you and me. That part of worship is, 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 is God, right, is revealing our hearts. What is it this morning that needs to change in your life? What sins are there in your life right now that you need to confess of and turn from? What is it that God is calling you to do as you walk in faith with him? What are areas in your life where you need to see some spiritual growth? Think about the fruit of the Spirit. Which one of those, those characteristics of Christ, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, selflessness, faithfulness, self-control, which one of those things you need to grow in? You see what I'm saying? Part of worship is allowing the Spirit of God to evaluate us. David says it in Psalm 139. God, search me, test me, try me. Show me what's in my heart, God, so I can, so I can turn to you. This is worship. We come before God bowing down. God, not my will, but your will be done. This is not about me. It's about you. Evaluate me. Show me where I need to repent. Show me where I need to grow. Or think about this. God is present to enjoy us. God is present to evaluate us. And God is present to call us to obey. I think about it. I think about Isaiah 6. Remember that story? Isaiah 6, where, where, where Isaiah, he sees the glory of God and he bows down before God. And at the end of the story, right? God says, who will I send? And Isaiah says, what? Me. Here I am, send me. That's what should be happening when you and I gather for worship, that, that when we hear God speak to us, our response is, God, here I am. Do with my life whatever it is you want to do because that, my friend, is worship. That's the Romans 12 kind of worship where Paul calls us to what? To lay our lives down on the altar as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to him. And the reality is some of us can't remember the last time we left a place like this after worshiping together, saying to God, what? Here I am, send me. But that's it. That's surrender. That's the goal, right? That we come into this place celebrating who God is and what he's done. And while we're celebrating, we bow down before him. Are you following? We're not done. Let me show you one more thing. We'll be done together. Look what it says. You come down to verse uh, eight and, and the, the passage takes a hard turn. You see, you, you have these first seven verses that are talking about, uh, let's shout joyfully, let's bow down. But then you see what it says at the end of verse seven, going into verse eight, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as at Meribah, as on that day at Massah in the wilderness. Now, I don't know if you know this or not, but what, what the psalmist is doing, he's taking us back to Exodus chapter 17. The people had come out of Egypt. Life should have been good. God had rescued them from slavery. They had been in slavery for 400 years and God set them free. He took them across a sea on dry land. It's an amazing miracle. And he's taking them to the promised land, 
a land flowing with milk and honey. These should have been the most excited people on the face of the earth, but they were not. Instead, they were what? Some of them were complaining people on the face of the earth. And in Exodus chapter 17, wandering around in the wilderness because of their rebellion against God, because they just can't get it. They're complaining. Moses, we're thirsty. You brought us out here to die. Moses, I wish you had left us back. It was better in slavery. Moses says, God, what you want me to do with these people? You remember the story? God tells him to take his staff and do what? Strike a rock. And when he strikes the rock, water gushes forth and the people drink. But notice, they named the place Meribah and Massah. What does that place commemorate? Well, certainly that rock, you would have thought about how God provided, but that place they commemorate, it commemorated their what? Their lack of worship, their lack of trust, their lack of bowing down. It commemorated their complaining. Now, come on now, come on in and listen to this. You, you know this is true because I know it's true of me too. It is much easier, easier for us to what? To complain than it is to worship. Because you think about it all the time. You think about everything in your life that's not going right. Everything in your life that you wish God would change. All the prayers that you pray that he does not seem to answer. And you get really, really good, don't you? I get really, really good at what? At complaining. The Israelites are really, really good at it. And now the psalmist, he says, listen, no. Today, in the presence of God, don't harden your heart. Don't be like the ancient Hebrews, right? Listen, look at what it says in the next verse. You come to verse nine, where your ancestors tested me. They tried me, though they had seen what I did. They saw it. They saw the work of God and still chose to complain. And you go on to the end of the Psalm, verse 11. So I swore in my anger, they will not enter my rest. They didn't. That first generation of Hebrews that came out of Egypt, they didn't go into the promised land, did they? I want to show you something. We're done. Take your Bibles and turn over to Hebrews. Let me show you Hebrews chapter three. You come to Hebrews chapter three. You begin in verse seven. And verses seven through 11 in Hebrews chapter three, this is towards the end of your New Testament. If you're having a hard time finding it, uh, use your table of contents or just listen carefully. Hebrews three, seven through 11. The writer of Hebrews quotes verbatim the end of Psalm 95. But look at what it says. You come to verse 12 and listen to what the writer says. Watch out, brothers and sisters, so that there won't be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. Listen to this. This is so good. Verse 13. But encourage each other daily while it is still called today so that none of you is hardened by sin's deception. Oh, this is good. Worship is this call to celebrate God. Worship is this call to surrender to God. But think about this. Worship is this reminder that God is worthy of our every moment. Did you notice it? In Psalm and also in Hebrews, there's this call to what? This call to action today. Because you're there. I've been there. We've been in those places where we've complained about how God isn't responding to us fast enough. 
We've been in those places, right, where our hearts have been hardened to what God is trying to teach us. And so what the psalmist is saying, and it's being repeated in the book of Hebrews, is today, 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 make a decision not to complain. Today, make a decision to worship instead of fussing. Today, make a decision to put your eyes on God instead of your eyes on your circumstances. Today, make a decision to walk by faith instead of walking by sight. Today, today, today. And then verse 13, what does it say? And encourage each other. Isn't that good? Because this is the beauty of corporate worship. We come together to lift our voices, to sing, to acknowledge that God is at work among us. And we also come together to encourage each other. Because now watch this. God is worth you giving him this moment. This moment that you're here right now. God is worth you giving this time to him. Every single Sunday, God is worth you giving this time to him. But think about this. God is worth you giving him every moment. Now think about this. Now, come on, I'm, you gotta follow me. Giving God every moment, would you agree with me? It's challenging because life happens. What does Hebrews chapter three, verse 13 say? Encourage each other. When life is challenging, do you know who I need? The body of Christ. When life is challenging for you, you know who you need? The body of Christ. The way that we give God our every moment is by encouraging each other. And what would it look like this week, right? If you over here, maybe texted somebody over here, or you over here, you called somebody over here and you just said, hey, I don't know what you're going through this week. I don't know what life has for you this week, but I just want you to know that I'm praying for you. I read this scripture this morning and, and you came to my mind. You see, here's what I know from experience. No one ever goes to bed at night saying what? Man, I was encouraged way too much today. That never happens. Nobody ever says, Pastor, would you just stop encouraging me? It's enough already, right? That never happens because we all long for encouragement. We all long to hear other people say, you got this. God's in control. Keep your eyes on him. I'm praying for you. I'm with you, you see? And that's the beauty of what we do together is we're able to serve together and we're able to encourage together to help each other understand that God is worthy of every moment of every day. And what the writer of Hebrews goes on to say, listen, as we encourage each other to walk by faith, we're going to receive something that first generations of Israelites did not receive. You know what that is? Rest right? Rest. Because 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ came to this earth and lived the life that you could not live and died the death that you deserve. He suffered in your place, taking the punishment for your sins upon himself and rose again three days later, defeating sin and death. So your sins might be forgiven. And so you might be given the gift of what? Life with him, a life of rest. And every single one of us in this room who call Christ the Lord of our lives, we are entering into his rest. And sometimes what we need is just that encouraging word. You're gonna make it. You're gonna make it to that eternal rest that God has for you. Keep on pressing on. And so this morning, just a couple of things as we end our time together. One, maybe you're in this room this morning and you've never experienced the rest that comes in a relationship with Jesus Christ. And as we end our time this morning, maybe for some of us, it's once and for all making that decision to follow Jesus as Lord, to confess that we're sinners 
And our sin separates us from eternity with him. And maybe this morning it's it's saying, God, that rest that you offer in a relationship with Jesus, I need that. I turn from my sins and I turn to you by faith. So in the corners of this room, there are two crosses. And this morning, if you want to give your life to Jesus, to once and for all place your faith in him and experience rest that comes in him, go to one of those crosses. There'll be someone there who's ready to pray with you and talk with you and help you today begin a relationship with Jesus. If you're watching us online this morning, you're gonna see the name Jesus on the screen, or excuse me, you're gonna see a number on the screen. Text the name Jesus to that number and we'll reach out to you and help you begin a relationship with Jesus today. Now, listen, if you're a follower of Jesus, I just want this Psalm to be a reminder to you that what we do week in and week out, it really does matter. This is a big deal. And maybe as we have a time of invitation this morning and you're just thinking about what we do on Sunday mornings and why we gather together and and the worship of our God who's done so much for us and has given us life in Christ, maybe this morning you realize that you take this for granted. You take God for granted. You take his people for granted. Maybe this morning as we have a time of invitation, you just wanna gather around front and ask God to forgive you. Forgive you of taking these moments for granted. Maybe this morning it's just to ask God, help me. Help me to learn how to bring my brain to worship, how to bring my heart, how to bring my mouth. Maybe it's just that recognition that you haven't been kneeling down before him, that God has called you to acknowledge him as Lord and to surrender your life to him, but you keep wrestling with him. And maybe there's something that God is calling you to do, a step of faith that he wants you to take where you continue to say no to him. Maybe this morning it's just gathering around front and saying, God, forgive me of resisting your will in my life. I don't know how God is calling you to respond to his word in these moments, but I know that he is. And I know that he is worthy of your everything. He's worthy of your worship this morning. And so as the spirit of God speaks to you, you respond to him. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for time together in your word. You are good to us. We acknowledge your goodness this morning. And Father, we confess there, there certainly are those moments that we take for granted what takes place here on a weekly basis. We get so busy thinking about our own enjoyment or evaluating what we like or don't like. And we didn't do this. We didn't sing this song. We don't have that event going on. And we just forget what this is all about. It's about you. It's about us coming before you saying, God, you are worthy. It's about enjoying you because you enjoy us. So Father, if we are a people this morning who are a little too complacent in our worship, or even hard-hearted in our worship. Would you do a work of grace in us today? Would you help us be a people that repent? And Father, I know you're gonna forgive us. And Father, I, I believe there's probably someone in this room this morning who has never experienced the gift of salvation, who has never placed his faith or her faith in you. And Father, I believe this morning that in this room, there are people who are in danger of entering a Christless eternity who today need to give their lives to you and find rest, eternal rest, abundant life in the death and resurrection of Jesus. And so Father, for that person in this room who's never given his life or her life to you, I pray this morning that person will come trusting you as Lord. So Father, we're just asking in these moments of invitation that as you speak to us and call us to respond, that we be obedient. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Rise to your feet as a time of invitation together. You come now as the Spirit of God leads you.